0: Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we are talking about new release horror books, horror books coming out the second half of this year. So basically from July to December. And let me tell you, there are so many exciting books coming out, so many books I cannot wait to get my hands on. And we will hear all about that. And with these episodes, as always, a big thank you to the Dark Piano for providing the ambient music. These new release episodes are always just me. So, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Starting off with one June release, The Wicked Unseen, coming out June 20th from Underlined. To say 16-year-old Audrey doesn't fit in would be the understatement of the century. She's a city kid who's found herself in a rural town, the only girl at school who'd rather kiss a girl than a boy. Not to mention that the whole town believes there's a secret satanic cult conducting rituals in the nearby woods. And Audrey's a born skeptic. When the preacher's daughter and Audrey's secret crush, Elle, goes missing on Halloween weekend, the town is quick to point fingers in Audrey's direction. While they harass Audrey's family for being newcomers and non-believers, Audrey realizes she might be the only person here who can find her friend. The deeper she goes, though, the weirder it gets. What happened to Elle? And is the evil this town is hiding really what Audrey thinks it is? This one sounds really interesting, and I will say I've been a fan of the books that have come out recently that are looking back at the 80s and 90s satanic panic through this lens of a horror novel Um, I find that to be really interesting also I will say I went with Audrey on the pronunciation for the protagonist's name but it's spelled a-u-d-r-e there's no y at the end so my apologies if it was supposed to be pronounced Audra uh, or something else but uh, I went with Audrey so just letting you know that could be incorrect but we just went with it And up next, we have At the End of Every Day by Ariana Reich. This is coming out July 2nd from Atria. Delphi has spent years working at a vast and iconic theme park in California after fleeing her childhood trauma in her rural hometown. But after the disturbing death of a beloved Hollywood starlet on the park grounds, Delphi is tasked with shuttering the park for good. Meanwhile, two siblings with ties to the park exchange letters, trying to understand why people who work there have been disappearing. Before long, they learn there's a reason no one is meant to see behind the park's curtain. What happens when the park empties out? And what happens when Delphi, who seems remarkably at one with the park, is finally forced to leave? At once, a novel about the uncanny valley, death cults, optical illusions, and the enduring power of fantasy. Reich's debut is a mind-bending teacup ride through an eerily familiar landscape, where the key to it all is what happens at the end of every day. First of all, I know what you're thinking which iconic theme park in California are we talking about here? I don't know. My money's on Knott's. Knott's Berry Farm. We'll see. Just kidding. Uh, but I will say one of the things as I was looking into this book that I saw comparisons to was that it said this is a debut novel perfect for fans of Ian Reed and Jeff Vandermeer, which tells me a few things. First of all, that this is going to be very psychological. And as a reader, maybe you shouldn't trust the information as it is presented to you at first. And they did use the word mind bending and also fantasy um, in that ending bit. So be prepared. And you know what? I am prepared. This sounds good. That is At the End of Every Day by Ariana Reich. This is coming out July 2nd from Atria. And on July 4th, we have Starve Acre by Andrew Michael Hurley. The worst thing possible has happened. Richard and Juliet Willoughby's son Ewan has died suddenly at the age of five. Starve Acre, their house by the Moors, was to be full of life, but is now a haunted place. Juliet, convinced Ewan still lives there in some form, seeks the help of the beacons, a seemingly benevolent group of occultists, richard, to try and keep the boy out of his mind, has turned his attention to the field opposite the house, where he patiently digs the barren dirt in search of a legendary oak tree. Starve Acre is a devastating new novel by the author of the prize-winning bestseller The Loney. It is a novel about the way in which grief splits the world in two. And how, in searching for hope, we can so easily unearth horror. Andrew Michael Hurley is an author I still have to read. And this sounded like a good place to start. Also, this does have a movie adaptation in the works uh, starring Matt Smith. And it looks like it's going to be described as a brooding and stylistic modern horror. Which, as you know, I cannot miss. So... Very much looking forward to that. This sounds like it will be devastating. Um, I know Andrew Michael Hurley does a lot of British folk horror, so interested to sink my teeth into this one. So that is Starve Acre coming out July 4th from Penguin. Next up, we have Burn the Negative by Josh Winning. Arriving in LA to visit the set of a new streaming horror series, Journalist Laura Warren witnesses a man jumping from a bridge, landing right behind her car. Here we go, she thinks. It's started. Because the series she's reporting on is a remake of a 90s horror flick. A cursed 90s horror flick, which she starred in as a child and has been running from her whole life. In The Guest House, Laura played the little girl with the terrifying gift to tell people how the needle man would kill them. When eight of the cast and crew died in ways that eerily mirrored the movie's on-screen deaths, the film became a cult classic and ruined her life. Leaving it behind, Laura changed her name and her accent, dyed her hair, and moved across the Atlantic. But some scripts don't want to stay buried. Now, as the body count rises again, Laura finds herself on the run with her aspiring actress sister and a jaded psychic, hoping to end the curse once and for all and to stay out of the Needleman's lethal reach. This sounds so fun. Number one, loving 90s nostalgia as a whole trend right now. Two, I really love stories about fictional horror movies horror tv shows things like that Um, it's actually one of the bonus prompts this year on the books in the freezer reading challenge so if you're still looking for something to read for the bonus prompt you could always read this that is burn the negative by josh winning coming out july 11th from penguin And next up we have Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle coming out July 18th from Tor Nightfire. They'll scare you straight to hell. Welcome to Neverton, Montana. Home to a God-fearing community with a heart of gold. Nestled high up in the mountains is Camp Damascus. The self-proclaimed most effective gate conversion camp in the country. Here a life free from sin awaits. But the secret behind this success is anything but holy. Okay, there's a few reasons why I am very excited to read this. I mean, first of all, yes, the premise itself, horror at a gay conversion camp, seems fascinating. To you may be wondering why the name Chuck Tingle sounds familiar. I know I was. And I'm here to tell you, the reason is because he's a very prolific erotica author uh, whose titles I see all over my Twitter feed because they are hilarious. Um, You know, titles like Space Raptor Butt Invasion, Bisexual Vampire Unicorns Teach Me the Importance of the Vampire Cough, and of course, Seduced by Dr. Bigfoot, Attorney at Large. So needless to say, I am very curious for this very different direction, and this is being advertised as a very searing and earnest horror debut um, about the demons the queer community faces. So just excited for this on many levels. That is Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle. Next up, we have Silver Nitrate by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. This will be coming out July 18th from Del Rey. Montserrat has always been overlooked. She's a talented sound editor, but she's left out of the boys club running the film industry in 90s Mexico City. And she's all but invisible to her best friend, Tristan, a charming, if faded soap opera star. Though, she's been in love with him since childhood. When Tristan discovers his new neighbor is the cult horror director Abel Urueta, and the legendary auteur claims he can change their lives. Even if his tale of a Nazi occultist imbuing magic into a highly volatile silver nitrate stock sounds like sheer fantasy. The magic film was never finished, which is why Urueta swears his career vanished overnight. He's cursed. Now the director wants Monserrat and Tristan to help him shoot the missing scene and lift the curse. But Monserrat soon notices a dark presence following her and Tristan begins seeing the ghost of his ex-girlfriend. As they work together to unravel the mystery of the film and the obscure occultist who once roamed their city, Montserrat and Tristan may find that sorcerers and magic are not only the stuff of movies. As you can imagine, the minute that this was announced, this went straight onto the TBR. I mean, Sylvia Moreno Garcia, to me personally, has earned that auto-buy, auto-read status. I will read anything she writes. And yes, when I read the synopsis and saw that we're talking about uh the like filmmaking scene in nineties Mexico City and we're talking about like cursed film, yes, yes, I'm there. Of course, you don't even have to ask, obviously. Um, I, yes, I am excited about this. That is Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. And coming July 25th from MTV Books, we have Infested by Angel Luis Colon. It's the summer before senior year, and Manny has just moved from Texas to the Bronx in New York. So, instead of hanging with his friends and making some spending money, Manny is forced to do menial tasks in his new home, a luxury condo his stepdad is managing, while stressing about starting over. Thankfully, he meets Sasha, who is protesting the building, but turns out to be really cool. And he strikes up an unlikely friendship with Mr. Mueller, the building's exterminator. Maybe life in the Bronx won't be so bad. Then the nightmares begin, and... Manny swears he has roaches crawling under his skin. When the building contractors start to go missing, Manny and Sasha come to the terrifying realization that Mr. Mueller is not who he says he is. Or rather, he is. But he died decades ago in a fire exactly where Manny's new building is located. A fire that Mueller set. Now, in a race against time, Manny must rescue his family from a deranged specter determined to set the Bronx ablaze once again. Okay, so this is a YA ghost story, and it looks like they are saying it is the taking of Jake Livingston meets Cemetery Boys, which definitely has me intrigued when I saw the cover, and I mean, the title. I assumed it was going to be only like bug, creepy crawly horror, but it seems like there's a ghost story in here as well. And of course, um, looks like themes about gentrification. So I'm excited about this one. That is Infested by Angel Luis Colón. All right. And let's put on our cowboy hats because we are talking Cruel Angels Past Sundown by Haley Piper. This is coming out July 25th from Death's Head Press. New Mexico Territory, 1882. She comes to the Klein Ranch at sunset, a strange, naked, pregnant woman dragging a cavalry saber. Annette Klein and her husband have built peace between their marriage and secret relations beyond. But their serenity dies in bloodshed tonight through a cannibalistic demon and a mad preacher. Annette barely escapes the bloodbath to the nearby town of Lowes Bend, where she might find safety with a shotgun-toting barkeep, two no-nonsense boarding room ladies, and the gun-slinging bounty hunter who's captured Annette's heart. But hell is at her heels. If she's going to survive until dawn, she'll have to forget everything she knows about peace and mercy, and face a hollow malevolence, more ancient and ruthless, she's ever imagined I have been so excited for this ever since I heard that Haley Piper was going to be writing a story for this horror western series for Death's Head Press like they've had uh, quite a few installations and the covers for these are all fantastic I believe they're all done by the same artist Justin T. Coons but just absolutely gorgeous I cannot wait to read this. Uh, This is Cruel Angels Past Sundown. This is by Haley Piper coming out July 25th from Death's Head Press. And on August 8th, we have The Handyman Method by Andrew F. Sullivan and Nick Cutter. When a young family moves into an unfinished development community, cracks begin to emerge in both their new residence and their lives as a mysterious online DIY instructor delivers dark, subliminal suggestions about how to handle any problem around the house. The trials of home improvement, destructive insecurities, and haunted house horror all collide in this thrilling story, perfect for fans of Nick Cutter's bestsellers, The Troop and The Deep. Okay, as you can imagine, As a Nick Cutter fan, I was obviously very excited to hear that he had a new book coming out in 2023. And this premise is definitely adding to that excitement. Um, And he wrote this with Andrew F. Sullivan, who was the author of The Marigold, which came out a few weeks ago. I want to say like early spring. Um, And it's currently on my shelf. I still have to read it, but I have heard really good things about it Um, and I know he had a great episode with Neil over at Talking Scared about it so it's one I really need to get to but I am extremely excited for the handyman method I mean like yes you know I'm always there for creepy haunted house but it looks like subliminal like dark influencer like DIY influencer come on I'm there Also on August 8th, we have Looking Glass Sound by Catriona Ward. This is coming out from Tor Nightfire. In a lonely cottage overlooking the windswept Maine coast, Wilder Harlow begins the last book he will ever write. It is the story of his childhood summer companions and the killer that stalked the small New England town. Of the body they found, and the horror of that discovery echoing down the decades. And of Skye, Wilder's one-time best friend who stole his unfinished memoir and turned it into the lurid best-selling novel Looking Glass Sound. But as Wilder writes, the lines between memory and fiction blur. He fears he's losing grip on reality when he finds notes hidden around the cottage written in Skye's signature green ink. Okay. There's a lot here, and a lot that's pretty interesting. It it seems like it's going to be extremely twisty, and with Catriona Ward as an author, that's kind of what I've come to expect. She does it very well, though. Like I feel like she does a great job of withholding the right amount of information and leading you to believe a certain thing as a reader. So, I'm always kind of excited to be taken on that journey from someone who knows how to do that who knows how to misdirect how to give you like just enough information so like you think you know what's going on I also really like stories that delve into the issues between like memory fading um, I guess like the malleability of memory I don't know if that's really what this is going to go into it seems like it that's my guess right now yeah a lot here very excited about that so that is Looking Glass Sound from Catriona Ward Coming out August 8th from Del Rey, we have Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. Who is Mr. Magic? Former child stars reunite to uncover the tragedy that ended their show and discover the secret of its enigmatic host in this dark supernatural thriller from the number one New York Times bestselling author of Hyde. 30 years after a tragic accident shut down production of the classic children's program, Mr. Magic, five surviving cast members have done their best to move on. But just as generations of cultishly devoted fans still cling to the lessons they learned from the show, the cast, known as the Circle of Friends, have spent their lives searching for the happiness they felt while they were on it, the friendship, the feeling of belonging, and the protection of Mr. Magic. But with no surviving video of the show, no evidence of who directed or produced it, and no records of who or what the beloved host actually was, the memories are all the former Circle of Friends has. Then a twist of fate brings the castmates back together at the remote desert filming compound that feels like it’s been waiting for them all this time. Even though they haven’t seen each other for years, they understand one another better than anyone has since. After all, they’re the only ones who hold the secret of the circle. the mystery of the magic man in his infinitely black cape. And maybe, The answers to what really happened on that deadly last day. But as the circle of friends reclaim parts of their past, they begin to wonder, are they here by choice or have they been lured into a trap? actually read this a few weeks ago and I had a really good time with it. The vibes were similar to season one of that uh, sci-fi show Channel Zero. I think it was called Candle Cove. There was also a very interesting author's note in the back of the book talking about why this book was personal for her and drawing from an experience from her past. And as I was reading through the synopsis with that in mind, suddenly kind of the metaphor for that made a lot of sense. So this is one I want to reread now that I know that, if that makes sense. So very interested to do that sometime soon. That is Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. And on August 8th, we also have Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. This is coming out from MTV Books. Jay Gardner has given himself a fool's errand to find the remains of his deceased father in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Monastery Beach. He knows it's a long shot, but Jay feels it's the only way for him to lift the weight of guilt he has carried since his dad's death by suicide the previous year. The dive begins well enough, but the sudden appearance of a giant squid puts Jay in very real jeopardy. Made infinitely worse by the arrival of a sperm whale looking to feed, suddenly Jay is caught in the squid's tentacles and drawn into the whale's mouth, where he is pulled into the first of its four stomachs. He quickly realizes he has only one hour before his oxygen tank runs out one hour to defeat his demons and escape the belly of a whale this sounds so tense and so good i would say this is my worst nightmare but i don't think i would have ever conceived of this as a situation it's honestly it's getting added to the list of like what is your worst nightmare this is going on there um also yeah there's there's a time limit like there's a ticking time limit on how much oxygen he has like i'm i'm stressed reading the synopsis, which means yes, I do need to read this book immediately. That is Whalefall by Daniel Krauss coming out August 8th from MTV Books. And on August 11th, we have 101 horror books to read before you're murdered by Sadie Hartman curious readers and fans of monsters and the macabre get ready to bulk up your tbr piles sadie mother horror hartman has curated the best selection of modern horror books including plenty of deep cuts indulge your heart's darkest desires to be terrified unsettled disgusted and heartbroken with stories that span everything from paranormal hauntings to creepy death cults to small town terrors and apocalyptic disasters each recommendation includes a full synopsis as well as a quick overview of the book's theme, style, and tone, so you can narrow down your next read at a glance. Featuring a foreword by New York Times bestselling author Josh Mallerman, and five brand new essays from rising voices in the genre, this illustrated reader's guide is perfect for anyone who dares to delve into the dark. So I currently have an advanced reader's copy of this, but to say that looking through it, it's very colorful, very easy to read, very approachable. So if you are like just getting into horror, I would say this is a good guide. It's a good gift for someone looking to get into horror. Um, And Sadie will be on for an episode later this summer. So you will hear more about it from her. This is 101 Horror Books to Read Before You're Murdered, coming out August 11th. On August 15th, we have Fever House by Keith Rawson. When leg breaker Hutcholtz rolls up to a rundown apartment complex in Portland, Oregon to collect overdue drug money, a severed hand is the last thing he expects to find stashed in the client's refrigerator. Hutch quickly realizes that the Hand induces uncontrollable madness. Anyone in its proximity is overcome with a boundless compulsion for violence. Within hours, catastrophic forces are set in motion. Dark op government agents who have been desperately hunting for the Hand are on Hutch's trail. More of the city's residents fall under its brutal influence and suddenly, All of Portland stands at the precipice of disaster. But it's all the same for Catherine Moriarty, a singer whose sudden fame and precipitous downfall were followed by the mysterious death of her estranged husband. Suicide, allegedly. Her trauma has made her agoraphobic, shackled within the confines of her apartment. Her son Nick has moved home to take care of her, quietly making his living working for Hutch's boss. When Hutch calls Nick in distress, looking for someone else to take the hand, Catherine and Nick are plunged into a global struggle that will decimate the walls of the carefully arranged life they've built. Mother and son must evade both crazed, bloodthirsty masses and deceitful government agents while exercising family secrets that have arisen from the dead. Secrets they soon discover might hold the very key to humanity's survival. I know I've said this a few times this episode, but that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on there. But it seems like a good time. It seems fun. Very interested in reading that, just because it seems bananas, to say the least. That is Fever House by Keith Rawson. That'll be coming out August 15th from Random House. And on August 15th from first second, we have a guest in the house by Emily Carroll. After many lonely years, Abby's just gotten married. She met her new husband, a recently widowed dentist, when he arrived in town with his young daughter seeking a new start. Although it's strange living in the shadow of her predecessor, Abby does her best to be a good wife and mother. But the more she learns about her husband's first wife, the more things don't add up. And Abby starts to wonder, was Sheila's death really by natural causes? As Abby sinks deeper into confusion, Sheila's memory becomes a force all its own, ensnaring Abby in a mystery that leaves her obsessed, fascinated, and desperately in love for the first time in her life. I absolutely adored Emily Carroll's um, previous graphic novel, Through the Woods. It was like several kind of like fairy tale type stories set in cold weather. The artwork was gorgeous. I would have wallpapered the walls of my house with the pages from that book. They were so gorgeous. So yeah, when I saw that she had a new graphic novel coming up with like Shades of Rebecca, come on. Of course, I had to include it in this list. So that is Emily Carroll's A Guest in the House, coming out August 15th from First Second. And on August 15th from Del Rey, we have Spin a Black Yarn, novellas by Josh Mallerman. Josh Mallerman is a master weaver of stories. And in this spine-chilling collection, he spins five twisted tales from the shadows of the human soul. A sister insists to her little brother that half the house is haunted by a strange presence. But is it the house that's haunted, or their childhoods? In Argyle, a dying man confesses to homicides he never committed, and he reveals long-kept secrets far more sinister than murder. A tourist takes the ultimate trip to outer space in Jupiter Drop, but the real journey is into his own dark past. In Doug and Judy by the housewasher, a trendy married couple buys the latest home gadget, only to find themselves trapped by their possessions, their history, and each other. And in Igorov, a wealthy old Cretan murders a young man, not knowing the victim was a triplet. The two surviving brothers stage a savage foe haunting, playing the ghost of their slain brother. With the aim of driving the old murderer mad. This seems like a fun collection of novellas. I had a good time with his previous kind of collection of novellas, Goblin, so I'm interested to see this. And the feedback I've heard from people who have already read it for like reviews and stuff seems to be pretty good. So looking forward to that, that is Spin a Black Yarn Novellas by Josh Mallerman. On August 29th from Berkeley, we have Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. As the daughter of a rancher in 1840s Mexico, Nena knows a thing or two about monsters. Her home has long been threatened by tensions with Anglo settlers from the north. But something more sinister lurks near the ranch at night. Something that drains men of their blood and leaves them for dead something that once attacked Nena nine years ago. Believing Nena dead, Nestor has been on the run from his grief ever since, moving from ranch to ranch, working as a vaquero, but no amount of drink can dispel the night terrors of sharp teeth. No woman can erase his childhood sweetheart from his mind. When the United States attacks Mexico in 1846, the two are brought abruptly together on the road to war Nena as a curandera, a healer striving to prove her worth to her father so he does not marry her off to a stranger, and Nestor as a member of the auxiliary cavalry of ranchers and vaqueros. But the shock of their reunion, and Nena's rage at Nestor for seemingly abandoning her long ago, is quickly overshadowed by the appearance of a nightmare made flesh. And unless Nena and Nestor work together to save their past and face the future together, Neither will survive to see the dawn. I am of the belief that the world could always use another vampire novel. There will never be enough. I love me some vampires. And when I learned that Isabel Cañas was following up her success with the Hacienda with a novel about 19th century vaqueros in Mexico squaring up against vampires, and of course there's a love story I don't think you could understand how prepared i was for this story so yes deeply excited about this that is vampires of el norte by isabel cañas on september 5th from tour Nightfire*, fire we have schrader's cord by scott Leeds. i told you they were real after his estranged father's mysterious death charlie remick returns to seattle to help with the funeral There, he discovers his father left him two parting gifts, the keys to the family record store and a strange black case containing four ancient records that, according to legend, can open a gate to the land of the dead. When Charlie, his sister, and their two friends play the records, they unwittingly open a floodgate of unspeakable horror. As the darkness descends, they are stalked by a relentless, malevolent force and see the dead everywhere they turn. With time running out, the only person who can help them is Charlie's resurrected father, who knows firsthand the awesome power the records have unleashed. But can they close the gate and silence Schrader's cord before it's too late? This sounds absolutely chaotic in the best way. But you gotta love a story about a cursed record, cursed song. Um, as we get older, do you think they'll have like cursed CDs, like cursed MP3s? Like they gotta have stuff like that, right? Records just seem more cursable aesthetically. Anyway, that is Schrader's Chord by Scott Leeds coming out September 5th from Tor Nightfire. What about one of those cursed hit clips? Remember those? I think I had one for like baby one more time. Also on September 5th from Berkeley, we have September House by Carissa Orlando. When Margaret and her husband, Hal, bought the large Victorian house on Hawthorne Street for sale at a surprisingly reasonable price, they couldn't believe they finally had a home of their own. Then they discovered the hauntings every september the walls drip blood the ghosts of former inhabitants appear and all of them are terrified of something that lurks in the basement most people would flee margaret is not most people margaret is staying it's her house but after four years hal can't take it anymore and he leaves abruptly now he's not returning calls and their daughter Catherine, who knows nothing about the hauntings arrives intent on looking for her missing father and to make things worse, September has just begun. And with every attempt Margaret and Catherine make at finding how the hauntings grow more harrowing because there are some secrets the house needs to keep. So I read this book a few weeks ago and absolutely loved it. Like it blew me away. I was not, I wasn't sure what to expect um, I had read the premise and I I was reading it while I was getting my hair done. And like even in the noisy salon with all these distractions, I was completely sucked into this story in a way that I was just was not expecting. And I don't know, everything about it is just so masterfully done. Absolutely loved it. That is The September House by Carissa Orlando. And on September 5th from Delacorte, we have There's No Way I'd Die First by Lisa Springer. Noelle Lane knows horror. Every trope, every warning sign, every survival tactic. She even leads a successful movie club dedicated to the genre. Thus, who better to throw the ultimate, most exclusive Halloween party on all of Long Island? And with the guest list, including the coolest kids in her senior class, Her popularity is bound to spike. Hopefully enough to warrant an expansion into podcasting. Plus, the fact that attractive singer-songwriter Archer Mitchell is coming is honestly the candy corn on top. Nothing is going to kill her party vibes. Except, maybe that low-budget IT clown she hires to lead a classic round of tag? He's supposed to be terrifying, in a comforting, nostalgic way. Instead, he's giving major creeps, but maybe Noelle's just that good at hosting? Her confidence is immediately rocked when the night's entertainment axes one of her guests. And he's not done yet. If an evil, murderous clown thinks life is a game, Noelle's ready to play. She's waited a long time to prove that she's a final girl. This sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, who doesn't love a good teen slasher? Um, Also, just... Loving the idea of hosting a horror bash as a way to soft launch a podcast. Maybe I did it wrong. Because uh, that sounds like a fun a fun way to do that. Um, so that will be coming out September 5th from Delacorte. And that is No Way I'd Die First by Lisa Springer. And coming out September 12th from Quirk Books is What Kind of Mother by Clay McLeod Chapman. After striking out on her own as a teen mom, Maddie Price is forced to return to her hometown of Brandywine, Virginia, with her 17-year-old daughter. With nothing to her name, she scrapes together a living as a palm reader at a local farmer's market. It's there she connects with her old high school flame, Henry McCabe, now a reclusive local fisherman whose infant son, Skylar went missing five years ago. Everyone in town is sure Skyler is dead. But when Maddie reads Henry's palm, she's haunted by strange and disturbing visions that suggest otherwise. As she follows the thread of these visions, Maddie discovers a terrifying nightmare waiting at the center of the labyrinth. And it's coming for everyone she holds dear. Okay, I am so excited for this book. One, yes, because I adored ghost eaters. But also, because I don't know, the marketing around this book has been so intriguing. Like, I, people have been taking pictures with, like, Old Bay, like the the spice mix, you know? Um, and, like, crabs. And I just want to know. I'm just, I'm so intrigued. Um, so I did pick up a copy of this at StokerCon. It was one of the first ones I grabbed. I was mm. so so excited um so that'll be coming out september 12th from quirk books that is what kind of mother by clay mcleod chapman also coming out september 12th from clarion we have what stocks among us by sarah hollowell best friends and high school seniors sadie and logan make their first mistake when they ditch their end of the year field trip to the amusement park in favor of exploring some old forgotten back roads The last thing they expect is to come across a giant abandoned corn maze. But with a whole day of playing hooky unspooling before them, they make their second mistake, or perhaps their third, maybe even their fourth, because Sadie and Logan have definitely entered this maze before and again, before that. And when they stumble on the corpses in the maze, identical to them in every way, if you can ignore the stab and gunshot wounds. From their clothes, to their hidden scars, to their dyed hair, to that one missing tooth, they quickly realize they've not only entered this maze before, they've died in it too, a lot. And no matter what they try, they can't figure out what or who is hunting them. Okay, this premise, this premise sounds amazing. Um, it's reminding me of that Twilight Zone episode that I'm going to be mad at myself because I can't think of what it's called right now, but I think it was one of, um, Rachel Harrison's picks when we did our, our Twilight Zone read likes episode. Um, also it's giving me kind of, a uh, are we getting maybe time loop horror, which was another thing I talked about that I said I, I wanted. I wanted like time loop horror, and I realized it's not technically a time loop because their bodies are there. So they're not technically like doing it over and over again if they're finding their own corpses. Anyway, I'm not getting caught up in the nitty gritty of it. I am just so excited about this premise. So you know I'm going to be checking it out. That is What Stocks Among Us by Sarah Hollowell, coming out September 12th from Clarion. And also coming out September 12th, big day, from Berkeley, is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. Nobody has a normal family, but Vesper writes is truly something else. Vesper left home at 18 and never looked back, mostly because she was told that leaving the staunchly religious community she grew up in meant she couldn't return. But then an envelope arrives on her doorstep. Inside is an invitation to the wedding of Vesper's beloved cousin, Rosie. It's to be hosted at the family farm. Have they made an exception to the rule? It wouldn't be the first time Vesper's been given special treatment. Is the invite a sweet gesture? An olive branch? A trap? Doesn't matter. Something inside her insists she go to the wedding... Even if it means returning to the toxic environment she escaped. Even if it means reuniting with her mother, Constance, a former horror film star and forever Ice Queen. When Vesper's homecoming exhumes a terrifying secret, she's forced to reckon with her family's beliefs and her own crisis of faith in this deliciously sinister novel that explores the way family ties can bind us as we struggle to find our place in this world. I mean, it's no secret that I love Rachel Harrison. I love her books. You guys need to read this. Um, and I will say that a synopsis is like giving very little away. And I just think this is one you're going to want to get to sooner rather than later. I just think when people review, they're probably going to say more. they should about the story and it won't like ruin it if you know more going in but i think the ideal the best reading experience is to just go in as blind as possible to just go in basically with what the synopsis is saying i loved this book i had just I just really, really enjoyed it. So you're definitely going to want to read it. So coming out September 12th from Berkeley, that is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. Coming out September 26th from Dutton is And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott. On the surface, Alice is exactly where she should be in life. She's just given birth to a beautiful baby girl, Dawn, Her ever-charming husband Steve, a white academic whose area of study is conveniently her own Mohawk culture, is nothing but supportive, and they've recently moved into a new home in a wealthy neighborhood in Toronto, a generous gift from her in-laws. But Alice could not feel like more of an imposter. She isn't connecting with Don, a struggle made even more difficult by the recent loss of her own mother and every waking moment is spent hiding her despair from Steve and their ever-poised neighbors, among whom she's the sole indigenous resident. Even when she does have a moment to herself, her perpetual self-doubt hinders the one vestige of her old life she has left, her goal of writing a modern retelling of the Haudenosaunee creation story. At first, Alice is convinced her discomfort is of her own making, She has gotten everything she always dreamed of, after all. But then strange things start happening. She finds herself losing bits of time, hearing voices she can't explain, and speaking with things that should not be talking back to her, all while her neighbor's passive-aggressive behavior seems to morph into something far more threatening. Though Steve assures her this is all in her head, Alice cannot fight the feeling that something is very, very wrong, and that in her creation story lies the key to her and Dawn's survival. She just has to finish it before it's too late. I've heard really good things about this one. The cover is absolutely striking. And I mean, I'm really interested in this like intersection of like indigenous culture, motherhood, and mental health. And as I mentioned, I've heard really good things so that is and then she fell coming out september 26th from dutton and moving into october starting out with knock knock open wide by neil sharpson coming out october 3rd from tor nightfire driving home late one night attain larkin finds a corpse on a pitch black country road deep in the irish countryside she takes the corpse to a remote farmhouse so begins a night of unspeakable horror that will take her to the very brink of sanity. She will never speak of it again. Two decades later, Betty Fitzpatrick, newly arrived at college in Dublin, has already fallen in love with the drama society and the beautiful but troubled Ashling Mallon. As their relationship blossoms, Ashling goes to great lengths to keep Betty away from her family, especially her alcoholic mother, Etain. As their relationship blossoms, Betty learns her lover's terrifying family history and Ashling's secret obsession. Ashling has become convinced that the horrors inflicted on her family are connected to a seemingly innocent children's TV show. Everyone in Ireland watched this show in their youth, but Ash soon discovers that no one remembers it quite the same way, And only Aisling seems to remember that it's a small black goat puppet who lives in a box and only comes out if you don't behave. They say he's never come out. Almost never. When the door between the known and the unknown opens, it can never close again. This sounds really good. Um, I feel like I probably mispronounced uh, the name Etaine it's E T A I N so Irish listeners uh, if you could let me know the correct way to pronounce that that would be lovely but I love everything about this I didn't know this was a a trope really but I'm loving this like evil children's show trend that I'm seeing I'm into it so that is knock knock open wide by Neil Sharpson coming out October 3rd from Nightfire also coming out October 3rd is a Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand from Mole Holland. From the three-time Shirley Jackson World Fantasy and Nebula award-winning author Elizabeth Hand, comes the first ever authorized novel to return to the world of Shirley Jackson’s The Haunting of Hill House. Holly Sherwin has been a struggling playwright for years, but now after receiving a grant to develop her play, The Witch of Edmonton, she may finally be close to her big break. All she needs is time and space to bring her vision to life. When she stumbles across Hill House on a weekend getaway upstate, she's immediately taken in by the ornate, if crumbling, Gothic mansion, nearly hidden outside of a remote village. It's enormous old, and ever so eerie. The perfect place to develop and rehearse her play. Despite her own hesitations, Holly's girlfriend, Nyssa, agrees to join Holly in renting the house out for the month, and soon a troop of actors, each with ghosts of their own, arrive. Yet as they settle in, the house's peculiarities are made known. Strange creatures stalk the grounds, disturbing sounds echo throughout the halls and time itself seems to shift all too soon holly and her friends find themselves at odds not just with one another but with the house itself it seems something has been waiting in hill house all these years and it no longer intends to walk alone There are so many reasons I'm excited for this one. Uh, I think the first place I saw this announced was Instagram, I want to say by the publisher. And first of all, the cover is gorgeous. When I saw this is like the first authorized story that returns to Shirley Jackson's Hill House. Um, Absolutely needed it. Elizabeth Hand really enjoyed her work. I absolutely loved Wilding Hall. And yeah, I cannot wait for this. That is A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand. This is coming out October 3rd from Mulholland. Also coming out October 3rd is My Darling Girl by Jennifer McMahon. Allison has never been a fan of Christmas, but with it right around the corner and her husband busily decorating their cozy Vermont home, she has no choice but to face it. Then she gets the call. Mavis... Allison's estranged mother has been diagnosed with cancer and has only weeks to live. She wants to spend her remaining days with her daughter, son-in-law, and two granddaughters. But Allison grew up with her mother's alcoholism and violent abuse and is reluctant to unearth these traumatic memories. Still, she eventually agrees to take in Mavis, hoping that she and her mother could finally heal and have the relationship she's always dreamed of. But when mysterious and otherworldly things start happening upon Mavis's arrival, Allison begins to suspect her mother is not quite who she seems. And as the holiday festivities turn into a nightmare, she must confront just how far she is willing to go to protect her family. This is another one I have heard nothing but good things about. I mean, people were going to be excited by a new Jennifer McMahon novel either way, but this is one people have reached out specifically to tell me that they could not put down. So very excited to get to this one as well. That is My Darling Girl by Jennifer McMahon. This is coming out October 3rd from Gallery Scout Press. Also coming out October 3rd from Tour Nightfire is The Dead Take the A-Train by Cassandra Ka and Richard Kadri. Julie Cruz is a coked up, burnt out 30-something who packs a lot of magic into her small body. She's been trying to establish herself in the New York City magic scene, and she'll work the most gruesome gigs to claw her way to the top. Julie is desperate for a quick career boost to break the dead-end grind but her pleas draw the attention of an eldritch god who is hungry for revenge. Her power grab sets off a deadly chain of events that puts her closest friends and the entire world directly in the path of annihilation. The first explosive adventure in the Carrion City duology, the dead take the A-train fuses Ka's cosmic horror and Kadri's gritty fantasy into a full-throttle thrill ride straight into New York's magical underbelly. When I saw this, I was obviously immediately intrigued uh, because of Cassandra Ka. I really love their work. But then I read the synopsis and it just seems like a lot of fun, doesn't it? So I'm very excited to check this one out as well. That is The Dead Take the A-Train by Cassandra Ka and Richard Kadrey. Coming out October 10th from Thomas and Mercer is Daughters of Block Island by Krista Carmen. After arriving on Block Island to find her birth mother, Blake Bronson becomes convinced she's the heroine of a gothic novel, the kind that allowed her intermittent escape from a traumatic childhood. How else to explain the torrential rain, the salt worn mansion known as Whitehall, and the restless ghosts purported to haunt its halls? But before Blake can discern the novel's ending, she's found dead, murdered in a clawfoot tub. The proprietress of Whitehall stands accused. Summoned by a letter sent from Blake before she died, Talia Mills returns to the island she swore she'd left for good. She finds that Blake wasn't the first to die at Whitehall under suspicious circumstances. Talia must uncover the real reason for Blake's demise before the forces conspiring to keep Block Island's secrets dead and buried rise up to consume her too. I absolutely loved Krista Carmen's short story collection, Something Borrowed, Something Blood Soaked. So, when I saw that she was publishing a novel this year, I was so excited to see that. So, yes, I will 100% be checking that out. That is Daughters of Block Island by Krista Carmen. This is coming out October 10th from Thomas and Mercer. Next up, coming out October 10th from Tor Nightfire is Brainworms by Allison Rumfitt. When a transphobic woman bombs Frankie's workplace, she blows up Frankie's life with it. As the media descends like vultures, Frankie tries to cope with the carnage. Binge drinking, fucking strangers, pushing away her friends. Then she meets Vanya. Mysterious, beautiful, terrifying Vanya. The two hit it off immediately. But as their relationship intensifies, so does Frankie's feeling that Vanya is hiding something from her. When Vanya's secrets threaten to tear them apart, Frankie starts digging and unearths a sinister, depraved conspiracy, the roots of which go deeper than she ever imagined. Shocking, grotesque, and downright filthy, Brainworms confronts the creeping reality of political terrorism while exploring the depths of love, pain, and identity. So I will say I just finished reading um, Alison Rumfitt's Tell Me I'm Worthless a few weeks ago, was absolutely blown away. I think it might be, I know it's early to say halfway through the year, but there's a good chance it'll be one of my favorites at the end of the year. So yes, extremely excited for her follow-up. That is "Brainworms" by Allison Rumfitt coming out October 10th from Nightfire. Let the Woods Keep Our Bodies by E. M. Roy, coming out October 10th from Ghoulish. Leo Bates knows what's behind every corner in her hometown of Eston, Maine, where she's lived her whole life. Some bad memories and grief for her late parents, sure, but nothing dangerous, nothing unexplainable. All of that changes when her girlfriend, Tate, goes missing, and the lead detective on the case blames Leo for the disappearance. Haunted by self-doubt, Leo can only watch as the town she thought she knew deteriorates around her. She is forced to confront the painful truth about her parents, this town, and her relationship if she is to survive the following onslaught of conspiracies, cryptic monstrosities, and whatever is hiding in the woods where Tate was last seen. The familiar becomes strange the longer you look at it. Leo navigates a broken sense of reality, shattered memories, and a distrust of herself in order to find Tate and restore balance to Aston, if such a thing ever existed to begin with. I really like the cover for this book, and the comp that I saw that, once you hear it, you'll know why it piqued my interest, was My Best Friend's Exorcism meets Twin Peaks, so how could I say no? That is, Let the Woods Keep Our Bodies by E.M. Roy, coming out October 10th from Ghoulish Books. Coming out October 10th from Titan, we have A Light Most Hateful by Haley Piper. Three years after running away from home, Olivia is stuck with a dead-end job in Nowhere Town, Chapel Hill, Pennsylvania. At least she has her best friend, Sunflower. Olivia figures she'll die in Chapel Hill, if not from boredom than the summer night storm which crashes into town with a mind-bending monster in tow. If Olivia is going to escape Chapel Hill and someday reconcile with her parents, she'll need to dodge residents enslaved by the storm's otherworldly powers and find Sunflower. But as the night strains friendships and reality itself, Olivia suspects the storm and its monster may have its eyes on Sunflower and everything she loves, including Olivia. I'm obviously always going to be excited about a new Haley Piper book, and I do love that the comp is Mona Awad's Bunny meets Stranger Things. It says it's a mind-bending and terrifying examination of female friendship, and the links will go to protect the ones we love. So what is not to love? That is A Light Most Hateful by Haley Piper, coming out October 10th from Titan. And coming out October 31st, Halloween from Fire is Nestlings by Nat Cassidy. Anna and Reed needed a lucky break. The horrifically complicated birth of their first child has left Anna paralyzed, bitter, and struggling. With mobility, with her relationship with Reed, with resentment for her baby, That's about to change with the words any New Yorker would love to hear. Affordable housing lottery. They've won an apartment in the Dutford, one of Manhattan's most revered buildings with beautiful vistas of Central Park and stunning architecture. Reed dismisses disturbing events and Anna's deep unease and paranoia as the price of living in New York. People are odd. But he can't explain the needle-like bite marks on the baby. So I did read this one. And let me tell you, it is so good. It's definitely one you're going to want to pick up. Um, His debut novel, Mary in Awakening of Terror, was one of my favorites last year. And this, as a follow-up, just absolutely did not disappoint. That is Nestlings by Nat Cassidy coming out October 31st from Tour Nightfire. And coming out November 1st from Shortwave is Candy Cane Kills by Brian McCauley. When Austin's parents drag him and his little sister Fiona to a remote cottage for Christmas, he's less than thrilled about the forced bonding exercise. But after learning that their holiday getaway was the site of a horrific crime, This family on the rocks will have to fight for their lives against a legendary killer because Candy Cane is slashing through the snow with a very long, naughty list. I mean, you know I can't say no to holiday-themed horror and, like, a Christmas slasher. Come on. Yes, I'm going to read this. It seems so fun. Uh... I did get to meet Brian at StokerCon, as well as Nat, Um, and they were both so nice. I will say Brian wore a Christmas sweater to the banquet, and it was like a a shark Christmas sweater, so perfect. Just really good cross-promotion there. So that is Candy Cane Kills by Brian McCauley, and I know I'm reading this and you can't see it, but it is cane like the name, like C-A-I-N, not C-A-N-E, so candy cane kills. That's coming out November 1st from Shortwave. And lastly, coming out December 5th from Atria is Where the Dead Wait by Allie Wilkes. William Day should be an acclaimed Arctic explorer, but after a failed expedition in which his remaining men only survived by eating their dead comrades, he returned in disgrace. Thirteen years later, his second-in-command, Jesse Stevens, has gone missing in the same frozen waters. Perhaps this is Day's chance to restore his tarnished reputation by bringing Stevens, the man who's haunted his whole life, back home. But when the rescue mission becomes an uncanny journey into his past, Day must face up to things he's done. Abandonment. Betrayal. Cannibalism. Aboard ship, Day must also contend with unwanted passengers, a reporter obsessively digging up truth about the first expedition, as well as Stephen's wife, a spirit medium whose seances both fascinate and frighten. Following a trail of cryptic messages, gaunt bodies, and old bones, their search becomes more and more unnerving as it becomes clear that the restless dead are never far behind. Something is coming through. I'm regretting that I didn't get to Allie Wilkes's All the White Spaces last year. I heard so many good things about it, but I think I definitely want to check this one out. I love like cold weather books. It's coming out December 5th and it's like this icy, ghostly expedition. Yes, all about that. So that is coming out December 5th from Atria. That is Where the Dead Wait by Allie Wilkes. So I actually don't think I have a chilling obsession, uh, this week because my June has been absolutely jam packed and I have not had really a spare moment to really watch or listen to anything. Like it really has been that busy. Um, my husband and I are watching Eastbound and Down for the first time, which is very funny, definitely not horror though, but you know, some horror names, some Danny McBride, David Gordon Green. Um but yeah, not not doing too much right now. I am watching the new season of Cruel Summer. I absolutely loved the first season and until recently I didn't know it was going to be an anthology series when it was renewed for a second series when it was renewed for a second season so it's got like the same uh, kind of multiple timeline format but it's a totally different story new characters so I'm only like three episodes into it so I'm not making any judgment calls but we'll see how it goes I will keep you updated for final girl song I think I'm gonna go with 100 Gecs dumbest girl alive. Um, I think it'd be really funny for a final final scene in a horror movie. It's like a close-up of a catatonic final girl who hasn't quite processed everything and then a hard cut to credits. I just think it's perfect. Um, I heard this at the Boy Genius Show when they were in town in Pittsburgh and I've kind of been obsessed with it. So yeah, dumbest girl alive adding that to the playlist and probably posting it on my story. So be on the lookout for that. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. I will say I'm a little backed up um, checking my emails. Like I said, June has just been a little crazier than usual so apologies if I have not gotten back to you. There's a lot of emails in that inbox. You can find a list of the books mentioned on this episode and all previous episodes at booksinthefreezer.com. Honestly, a lot of really good information there where to get merch, how to support the podcast. There is links to the Patreon. There are affiliate links listed. There are links to the Books in the Freezer final girl playlist. Um so yeah, all around good resource. Go to booksinthefreezer.com for All of that, that should be in the listing and like the podcast episode description should have a link that just takes you right to that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. So thank you and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.